You're listening to the Blaze Radio Network on demand. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's. I mean, it's not going to sell your home. I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. This is The Bonfire on the Blaze Radio Network. Hola, howdy, hey. Welcome to The Bonfire. Here to talk about the important issues. Movies, travel, food, culture. A.K.A. the good stuff. Part of the good stuff this week is a movie I decided to go see on a work night. So a Monday night. This movie came out, let's see, I believe at the end of July. Or maybe it was the third to last, third weekend in July. I forget now. Anyway, it's called Lights Out. (laughs) And if you know anything about this show, if you know anything about me, you know I enjoy my scary movies. That is indeed what this was. (laughs) So much so that... I rarely see scary movies in theaters, and that's probably because whenever I go to the theater, and that's pretty rare, I will go for the big blockbusters. I will go for sequels and things like that for me to give a review and criticize it. When it comes to scary movies, I usually don't know about them until I'm scrolling through Netflix and I see something that piques my interest. And I say, oh, there it is. Let me check that out. Let me, oh, this looks nice. Hour and a half. Okay, I'll watch this tonight. And I kind of just find movies like that it's rare that i will go to a theater to see a movie now i'd seen some previews and i'm going to play the trailer here real quick and i thought to myself yeah i need to go see this rest assured the experience is completely different in the theater versus your own home you feel much safer in your own home when you're in the theater you lose your mind i certainly did here let me just go ahead and play the uh trailer and uh there's there's a good amount of quiet space in the trailer, but I will try to work around that. So here we go. Empty building. Long, empty hallway. Oh, somebody's over there. turn off the lights there's this woman waiting in the shadows I see her too each one of us is being haunted Did we wake you? What? A long time ago, I had a friend named Diana. Then something really bad happened to her. Everyone is afraid of the dark. And that's what she feeds on. 
Enjoy yourself. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, it's a July 22nd. That's when it came out. Now, uh, at the time you were probably listening to this podcast, I saw it days after the fact. Uh, like I said, I sometimes just don't have the time, and I just don't go to the movie theater every, every day. I was also out of town. So, anyway, the trailer. I saw it and thought to myself, hmm, I haven't seen that yet. That is absolutely worth checking out. So, yes, I went by myself, as I do uh, sometimes go to the theater, and there's nothing wrong with that. I do that so I can focus on the movie. I'm not distracted by, you know, whoever's with me, friends or date, where I'm either explaining or I'm talking or I'm just distracted. If I'm into the movie and I want to give a review and I want to discuss it, then I'm going to go by myself, and there's nothing wrong with that. Of course, that was a stupid decision when you go to a scary movie because you have no one to hold on to. (laughs) So I'm sitting there alone in the row by myself, Wondering, what the hell am I supposed to do? Why am I here? And, you know, all the previews before the movie, those were also scary movie previews. So I kind of got a got a good dosage before the movie began and got my blood pumping. So I was primed and ready to be freaked out. I looked away, I believe, twice. <laughs> I never do that in, in scary movies. I've seen, I think, a decent amount that I obviously know, oh, that's about to happen. Oh, let me expect this. Oh, let me look in the background while they're trying to focus on the person's face in the foreground. Things like that. I can usually kind of guess when it's about to happen. And you may make me jump. You may make me go, oh, and kind of freak out for a second, but then say, oh, okay, I, I, I could deal with that. There were a couple times in this movie I thought, oh, I can't watch. Oh, my gosh. Because you're also sitting in a dark theater. And you know at the end of the night you're going to have to go home, you're going to go to bed, And you're going to run into the same issues that some of these characters did, turning off the lights. So it kind of gets in your head. Uh, The movie is about a mom who is having some, I don't think she's bipolar, but she's having some sort of mental issue. And she's had it her whole life. The daughter finds out, you know, through secrets and, you know, files, oh, mom used to be in a, uh, a mental hospital. You know, and that's not public information. So she found it out, went to her mom and said, Mom, is this true? You were there when you were a little kid. Oh, wait, I found this picture. And who's this girl that you're standing next to? Oh, that's Diana. Who the hell is Diana? And the movie starts to interlace um, throughout, and you find out who Diana is, who this shadow in the dark is, and why she's doing what she's doing. And ultimately, though, at the end, I was kind of confused. I thought, you know what? I don't, I'm not really sure what happened. But that's okay, because that's not why I came here. I didn't come here for some brilliant expose of the human psyche. No, I came here just to be scared. I didn't come here for an Academy Award. I came here to be scared. And yes, I was. Uh, (laughs) Bonfire does recommend it. Well, I think one of the more original scary movies I've seen in a while. Uh, There are a number of found footage movies. Okay, that's starting to get pretty old now. 
there are a number of movies that deal with zombies or possessions, and that's creepy. I usually stay away from those. But this one was none of that. It wasn't a zombie, it wasn't found footage, and it wasn't possession of anybody. It was just, it's a ghost. <gasps> it's a ghost. What's going on? Yeah. So, a little different. And then the concept was what I liked so much about it, that the second you turn on the light, the shadow disappears. Just like any real shadow out there in the world. And you're in your room, and it's dark in there, it's a full of shadows. You flip on the switch, boom, all the shadows are gone. It's the same idea. This creature, this shadow, uh, ghost, when the lights are off, you're in trouble. So flip on those switches. But of course, for some inexplicable reason, she has the power to wipe out the power in your house or blow out candles and things like that. Of course, you know, she has to be able to do that. Otherwise, you just leave your lights on all the time. Or you sleep during the day when it's safe and then you stay awake all night with a flashlight. Okay, it's not that logical. Gotta have a little little nervous habit of having all the lights blow out, blow up, shut down to keep the audience interested. And I was. I'm kind of watching the whole time. And there were mannequins. You know what? I hate dolls. I've said that before. Don't like dolls. Ventriloquist dummies. Mannequins. I hate that crap. Can't stand it. So, even though they were only in a couple scenes, those mannequins were one of the more creepy parts (laughs) of the whole movie. And I never was really afraid of the dark. I was as a kid. But then you kind of grow out of it and you're like, well, it's, I don't know. Don't care. I just don't care. But after seeing this movie now, I am a little cautious at night. And the great story is, after I saw it, I went home and thought, oh, okay, I could go to bed. I did go to bed. I did fall asleep. But next thing I knew, I'm kind of just tossing and turning. Um, I didn't have a nightmare. But I was kind of sit there, sitting there semi-conscious, going over the movie in my head, remembering, oh, I remember that scene. Oh, yeah, I remember that one, too. Oh, that was creepy right there. Hmm, this is interesting. Oh, maybe not. So it's all going through my head, and I'm kind of lying there, and I think, wait a minute. What time is it? If it's close to getting up, I'll just get up right now, and I can start my day. I look over. It says 3.45. I do not get up at 3.45 in the morning. But I got up. (laughs) I could not sleep anymore. I went to bed late, and I got up at 3.45. So the next day was pretty difficult to stay awake. I had no energy. I was exhausted. That is what the movie did to me. That is an impressive movie. When you can get me, Andrew Herzog, who talks about scary movies a lot, to lose some sleep over it. I got up, watched a little bit of TV, like, uh, oh, Last Man Standing. That's what I watched. And had had some laughs. Then I got ready for work, went to work, and had a normal day. Then the next night went to bed perfectly fine. So, because it was so fresh in my mind, and I saw it on a Monday night, I had a hard time sleeping Monday night. Tuesday was not a good day. Uh, Overall, yes, Bonfire does recommend it. It's an original concept. It's an hour 20, hour 30, so it's a good length. It's not a a a three-and-a-half-hour movie. Uh, I do recommend you see it in theaters if you still have time and it's still available. If not, then okay. When it comes out on Netflix or Hulu, wherever you can find it, Amazon Prime, I do recommend you check it out. Because, like I said, it's not possession, it's not zombies, it's not found footage. It's well shot. High quality. The acting was good. There was a little boy in it, and he's maybe 10 years old. He's a great little actor. The uh, main girl in the movie, she's a great actor. And the mom, great actor. I thought 
the characters or the uh, actors were chosen very well, and it 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 really showed. I felt so overall. I had a I wouldn't say good time. I use that term loosely, but Bonfire does recommend it. So there you have it: the Bonfire review movie review of Lights Out, directed by James Wan, I believe. He also directed The Conjuring, which is <laughs> another terrifying movie that. I didn't know what I was getting myself into, but that's a story for another time. So, on the other side, I'm going to explain why I decided to loosen up and waken with the TV show Last Man Standing. Why I chose that. This is the Bonfire on the Blaze Radio Network On Demand. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. This is the Bonfire On Demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Here's your host, Andrew Herzog. All right, so when I finished watching the movie Lights Out at, in the movie theater, I came home, went to bed, didn't really sleep well, and woke up way too early to alleviate my fear. Yeah, to alleviate my fear. I got up at 3.45, went out into the living room, and turned on the TV. But what did I watch? That is key. I watched Last Man Standing. I think I've mentioned that here before on the pod, but I don't think I've given an official review. So now it's time for the bonfire review of the TV show Last Man Standing with Tim Allen. Tim Allen is great, if you, in case you don't know. And uh, if you disagree, you're an idiot. That's all there is to it. He was in Home Improvement. He did the Santa Claus movies. The first one, you can't beat it. You know, Santa Claus 2, eh. The third one, I don't really remember it. I think I saw it in theaters. I thought it was pretty terrible. But the first one, you can't beat that. Home Improvement, eight seasons. It won some Emmys. No, maybe it's not Emmys. I forget. It won awards. There you go. That's really broad, really vague. But yes, it did back in the 90s. So it's a great 90s sitcom. Then, of course, he uh, kind of did some movies here and there. He did a movie called Wild Hogs. I don't remember much of that movie either. It was like with John Travolta and I forget who the other two guys are. But overall, when I saw it when I was 12 or 13, whenever it came out, I thought, eh, it's okay. I feel now Tim Allen has come back and hit his stride with another TV sitcom, this one called Last Man Standing. Instead of having three sons, he has three daughters. And instead of being Mr. Say Mr. Macho's, I think technically incorrect, because he, he was a goofball, certainly, in Home Improvement. And he was, he was knowledgeable with tools. He wasn't very good with them because things would always break, and that was the joke. But he loved his tools. He loved his cars. He was good with cars, for sure. He spent his time and his effort building those, uh, you know, classic cars, restoring them. He was good at that, the character. And it was a funny TV show and mixed throughout some relatively serious life lessons. Like saying, hey, uh, our teenage son was just caught with pot. How do we deal with this? It deals with, you know, real issues. It's not stuff like, well, our teenage son... Uh, just got accepted into the NHL. How are we supposed to deal with this? That's not very likely, okay? You're going to catch your kid with pot. How did they deal with it? That's what they did. Uh, Randy uh, has maybe a cancerous uh, bump on his neck. How are, we, how are we supposed to deal with this? And then Mark, oh, he's really distant, and he's you know, seemingly becoming emo and gothic. Well, how are we supposed to deal with that? So throughout all the comedy and the fun stuff and Al and Heidi, lots of 
believable t- uh, um, scripts. You know, that you could see, oh, I could see that happening. Yeah, that happens in America. That's realistic. Uh, same thing here with Last Man Standing. Instead of having three sons, he's now doing the other half. He's doing three daughters. So what kind of problems do daughters have? And he is still more or less the same guy, although he's more competent in this show than Home Improvement. And Home Improvement, at least at the beginning, he was always kind of picked on as the idiot. Like, he was just stupid. But as the years went by, he would goof off and, you know, be a guy, <laughs> have good times, make some mistakes, but he would eventually learn from Wilson, take advice from him, and grow into his own person. And then in the last season, like one of the last episodes, Jill says, hey, I love you now more than the day I met you. You have grown into the man I've always wanted you to be. So, yeah, it came around where, like, sure, maybe she married an immature idiot. But as the marriage continues and their children are growing up, he becomes a smarter man. It's called experience. It's called life. And uh, I think we all experience that, albeit different paces, but we all get there. Hopefully, we all slowly mature and learn and get wise. Get wise, yeah. Nice grammar. So, in Last Man Standing, he kind of already starts out where that left off. He's already the wise father. And I like that. I respect that. I like to see the wise father and a wise mother. I like them to both be equal. I like them to talk to one another. And sure, when, when they make mistakes, because they're human beings, when they do, they do eventually admit to it and say, hmm... Honey, you were right. I, I, I made a mistake. And they work it out. Or they do it to the daughters. The daughters apologize or the parents apologize. They don't... It's not, oh, women are always right. It's not always, oh, the dad's always an idiot. And it's not, oh, the daughters are always so abused. And you know, the parents just don't understand. No, it goes back and forth where the children will do something stupid and Tim will call him out on it and he's absolutely right. And the writers write it that way specifically, letting the audience know, hey, the girl did this wrong. The dad corrected it. He was in the right. Let's all learn the lesson here. So there you go. It's comedy, another sitcom, but filled with realistic scripts and timelines. Saying, oh, yeah, I could see that happening. Yeah, that makes sense in today's society. So it's another home improvement type of show. Uh, it's still in a, it's in a league of its own. I like the characters. There's Edozate, <laughs> the boss. Uh, maybe the equal at work, where Tim works. And he works at Outdoor Man. So he's he still loves his cars and his, maybe not his tools. Tim Taylor in Home Improvement was all about his tools. Total total tool nut. But in Last Man Standing, he has a garage and he knows how to use tools. He's just not gung-ho about it. What he is gung-ho about is hunting, fishing, being a man, giving advice, being masculine. And he does that frequently in these vlogs. And that's part of the show is he'll do vlogs for that company outdoor man and say so come to outdoor man and buy yourself a canoe oh by the way that reminds me and he goes off on some tangent about how emasculated men are nowadays or how stupid our generation is or how parents need to still work together and still listen to their kids but ultimately yes they're still in charge so don't be afraid to put the child in his place to teach them a lesson because they need to grow up to be responsible adults so overall it sounds to me like a very common sense awesome Screenplay. And uh, I believe Tim is an executive producer of the show, if not actually sort of a writer for it as well. And it's a lot more political, for sure, than Home Improvement ever was. But that's because in today's day and age, politics does seem to find its way into entertainment. So Tim's like, yeah, okay, I'll take a stab at it myself. Except he's not, oh, I'm pro-Obama. He picks on Hillary. (laughs) Which is funny, in my opinion. But 
That's not why I watch. I watch because of the life and culture that they put into each episode. It makes me laugh, and it makes me think. I think that's respectable. I think Tim Allen has grown wise beyond his years. Um, he was arrested back in his 20s or 30s for, like, crack, for selling crack, or having crack, you know, in his possession. So for you to go from that drug possession, in trouble with the law, total slacker, to where he is today, then that's the way to do it. To pull yourself up and say, yeah, ooh, man, I made some mistakes, but I learned from them. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be that person anymore. I'm going to make something of myself. I want to help other people. I want to have these conversations and discuss the important things. But he does it in an entertaining way. He doesn't preach. You know, he's not a, he's not a pastor. He doesn't have a vlog of his own called Tim Allen Vlog. And, you know, he just posts things to YouTube and hopes people pay attention. No, he says, I have to make a TV show. If I want to make any kind of points, if I'm in the mood for that, I got to put it into a TV show. I got to entertain people first and I can slip some of my personal viewpoints in. That's the way to do it, whether you're, you know, liberal or conservative, whatever political persona you are, to really get today's attention for society, yeah, you got to kind of slip it into entertainment. you got to meet someone somewhere and say, hey, do you like to travel? Do you like this kind of food? Do you like this movie? you got to bond over something first and make that connection. Then you can start saying, okay, well, here's how I feel about this. How do you feel? And that's where you can, I don't know, maybe begin to somewhat get along, at least maybe understand the other person's point of view and have a calm discussion about it if you so desire to continue down that path. Or hell, you just come together to have fun. There's nothing wrong with that either. There's a lot of anal people in today's world who take things way too seriously, in my opinion. And then there are others who uh, are just sticks in the mud. You say, do you ever loosen up? Calm down. (laughs) Take a breather! So, speaking of breathers... Let's take one right now. This is the Bonfire on demand on the Blaze Radio Network. The progressive movement is full of lies. Why do Americans keep falling for the deception? In his new book, Liars, Glenn Beck reveals the simple answer, fear. At our most basic level, we're all afraid of something. And progressives exploit this by offering us solutions to our fears. Solutions based on lies and an unrelenting hunger for power and control. Understanding the roots of these lies is key to helping us stop the disease of progressivism. Liars by Glenn Beck. On sale now at glennbeck.com slash liars. This is The Bonfire On Demand. Hosted by Andrew Herzog. On the Blaze Radio Network. Taking a breather, taking a break, unplugging, you know, it's all important. Whether that's digital or otherwise, you got to mix things up. You can't be static for too long. I feel that is a a human condition. There are people who say, yeah, I like habits, um, or I easily form them. I like to know what's going to happen. I don't like to live spontaneously. Okay, fair enough. I do like to show up at work and know what to expect during the day, although that rarely happens. Uh, but you can also kind of break from that daily habit of whatever it is. And just to unwind and, you know, detox, for lack of a better word, and just to see how your body reacts, how your mind reacts. Um, you may find that you are addicted to something. Uh, for many of us, it's our, our phones. It's technology. Now, there's an article from Reuters that says a third of Britons, I mean Reuters being a uh, 
a British media company, so it makes sense. One third of Britons have undertaken a digital detox by ditching their smartphones and tablets to wean themselves off of online addiction and do more things in the real world. Okay. Uh, yes, I said that before, I don't know, a few months ago, about the beauty of nature. That's what you do. You can go out in nature, get away from the city and, you know, suburbia, be outside. Sure, you can take some pictures if you want, you know, to remember where you were and beautiful sunsets and trees and beaches. Yes, I, I do that, okay? But as soon as I take that nice picture, I shove the phone in my pocket. Frequently, I will also leave it in my, you know, apartment or hotel room, wherever I am. Although, not really recommended because if you had an emergency, yeah, you better you better have that phone on you in case you need it. So you got to have that self-control to keep it in your pocket and not just be whipping it out all the time to do something on Facebook or take a picture or answer a text or a phone call. Be in the moment and just be like, okay, I'm going to oh, take a deep breath and I'm not going to use technology right now. I'm going to be with my own thoughts or I'm going to have this conversation with this friend who's sitting right in front of me and let's be human beings. You know, um, The art of conversation is certainly dying. I'm not the best at it. But I can recognize it and understand, well, here's what I can work on. I can work on some small talk and general interest in other people's, you know, thoughts. Instead of just kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, uh, moving on. Uh, here's what I have to think. No, listen. Listen to what they have to say. Try to be genuinely interested in what they're saying. At least trying does make a difference. If you don't try, man, people can tell. And they're just like, wow, that guy's a jerk. So anyway... Some 15 million adults in Britain had sought temporarily respite from the internet. Adults spend an average of 24, 25 hours online each week, rising to 29 hours for those aged 16 to 24 and 26 hours for teenagers. Okay. That is chump change because I'm in the media. I do 40 to 50 hours a week. More or less. So, yeah, I need the detox. The digital detox. And I usually do that on Saturdays, you know, after the whole work week. I wake up Saturday, and if I'm in town, I'll go have breakfast, usually by myself, because I've got either enough sleep or other people are out running around themselves, and I'm like, all right, I need to eat right now. And this gives me the opportunity to be by myself and not use my phone. So I'll usually take a book with me and keep the phone in my pocket. Sometimes even just taking a break for a few hours is enough. I can say, well, today I don't need to read the news, so I don't. Right now I don't need to wake up and answer emails, so I don't. Instead, I read my books, I see people, I go outside, or I do chores, things that need to be done, whatever. Now I can listen to music in the car, yes, that's technology, but the point here really being the internet, on your phone or your laptop. If you're not a big phone person, and for some reason you're still using a laptop, <laughs> 90% of the time, you're doing it wrong. Either way, shut the laptop or the phone and don't be on it all the freaking time. Take a break. Try a 30-minute break. See if you can even do that. Uh, you could start by just turning it off or putting it in the other room while you watch an episode of TV. Because I have the habit, too, of keeping my phone by me while I'm watching TV. That way, in case I want to tweet or do something on Facebook or text, whatever, I can do that while I watch TV. <laughs> that seems to very much be a... An element of my generation. So I've done that before. I was thinking, okay, yeah, I've had enough phone today. I've, I've squinted enough today and strained my eyes enough to look at TV or screens. And I'm already trying to watch TV. I don't need this phone right here in my face. So I'll put it down. And even if I hear a phone call or a text, I won't answer it. And I'll say, look, I'll do that. I'll answer it later. I don't need to do it right now. 
So getting that digital detox is important in today's day and age. But here in the same survey, it says 16% of people said they worried about missing out while they were offline. That is definitely something, I think, akin to my generation. We It's called FOMO, fear of missing out. I don't have that as bad as other people. Because I've said that to before, I've said that before to friends, saying, like, I can easily turn it off. I can easily not answer the phone if I'm just not in the mood. I need some time by myself. I need some reading time. I need sleep or food. I will prioritize those things if I'm in desperate need of them. So to think, oh my gosh, Andrew, well, you just missed out on a great night because everybody had fun. I'd say, well, guess what? So did I. Tonight I needed to be by myself. Tonight I needed to stay home. I did not have the mental capacity to go out and socialize and be a joy to be around. So excuse me, I stayed home. You had a good night and so did I. I didn't miss anything in my eyes. So yeah, the fear of missing out is real for some people. But it's kind of getting over it because guess what? Right now you're missing something. Every second of every day you are missing out on something. It's called prioritization and time management. Figure out what the hell you want to do with your time because it's extremely limited. And as the years go by, it's going to get more and more constricted. It's not going to be your time anymore. You're going to have to start sharing it with others. And you should. So, yeah, you got to make decisions. Like, hmm, tonight I could do this or that. you got to pick one. You can't do both. You can't do both and survive, especially on a work night. And then you, you get home at 3 a.m. and you're like, well, I have to get up in uh, four hours. You're going to get screwed if you keep that up because your boss and your coworkers will notice and say, wow, this guy is a slacker. He's falling asleep and he's not paying attention. I'm talking to his face and he's just staring off into space. He's an idiot. If that's something that happens to you, then yeah, don't be going out anymore then. At least not till 3 a.m. Come on. It's called common sense, time management, and priorities. Let's all do that. And it can all stem from digital detoxes. So do those. Do those every now and then. See what you can do. That's what Bonfire says. Bonfire, yes, being an internet company. Come on. We're telling you sometimes. Even if you haven't listened to one of the pods or read an article or watched one of our videos, don't do it. Because what's more important is, yes, detoxing and balance. That's what we are promoting. Yes, we're a company, but we're seriously all about the balance, too. We want to spread that message to say, hey, I don't need to watch this right now or listen to it. I will do it later. Do that. Have some common sense and have some balance. The Bonfire, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Buck Sexton. The administration we have is terrible on foreign policy. They completely misunderstand the nature and character of our enemies. They have this uh, very blame America first attitude about any number of historical situations that sort of still influence situations around the world today. And what have they done successfully? Buck Sexton. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. The Bonfire. Here's your host... Andrew Herzog. Ladies and gentlemen, to do your duty as somebody to get along with humanity, have a drink. Yes, you should. USA Today says, the secret to a happy marriage may be drinking alcohol. (laughs) Uh, Yes, some of us are not married, but this still applies to relationships. You know, your boyfriend or your girlfriend, here's what this study says. Date nights, including the occasional wine or beer, might not be a bad idea, according to a study published in the journals of... I can't say that word. The study looked at drinking behaviors of thousands of older married couples who supplied data twice 
over four years. Participants were 50 or older. That's important here for this study. They're, they're older. They're senior citizens. Researchers found couples who drank had decreased negative marital quality over time. The lead author said couples who drink are less irritated, not necessarily happy. So what does the boozing do for you? They reported drinking even one drink a year was more likely to say that their partner doesn't let them down, get on their, get on their nerves, or criticize them. So when you drink, I think most of us can say it loosens you up. You kind of drop that filter that we all hopefully have, and you kind of you open up a little more. You can just say what's on your mind. Now, that comes if you're wasted, you know, if you're just hammered, which you never want to do. That's where the filter is just gone. Most mature people have the filter up when they're clean and sober. Then when you have a drink, that filter is downgraded slightly. And you'd say, okay, I can let a few things slide now. I can be honest. I can say, whoa, man, did you see that girl over there? Or you can say, wow, my boss, man, he's such a jerk. And you could be saying this to your coworker. You're like, yeah, do you like him? I don't because blah, 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 blah. That's what alcohol does. It's something of a truth serum to most people. So here in the study, it says married couples over 50 years old, y'all should have a drink together. And that's the key word there is together. It says in situations where wives drank and men didn't, wives reported increased negative marital quality over time. So men, if you see your wife drinking, do your duty. Get yourself one. (laughs) That's how it works. Don't let her drink by herself. You should never drink by yourself. That's just depressing. And it can be dangerous. It's a social thing. Come on. Have a social drink, and that's how you can bond with other people. You can just bond with a complete stranger. If you both just have two beers together, you'd say, I don't know who the hell you are, but we're having a great time over here, aren't we? And you hug each other. You both laugh at the stupidest things, and you just say, wow, this is just a great night. You're bonding with humanity. If you can do that with a stranger, well, then, yeah, what about your wife, your husband, your, your best friend, whatever? You can share a glass of wine together, even once a year, on your anniversary. Do that. Okay, this is what the study is saying. And I fully support this study. Uh, I don't support getting wasted together every week. I think that's a bad idea. But, again, back to the common sense. (laughs) Have common sense. Have a drink here and there together. You, You appreciate one another's company. And for me, that's what it does. Alcohol makes me a happy, a happy drunk. Not everybody does that. Some people are angry drunks or sad drunks. And that depends on each person. So you got to find that out about yourself. Well, hmm, when I drink, what happens to me? How do I act around other people? And that's important to know. As 2016 is the year of self-discovery, you need, to, you need to know these things. You need to know how alcohol affects you. It's important to know. That's what adults do. Adults have alcohol. When you go to a cocktail party with your boss, and he's expecting you to kind of walk around with him and socialize and be part of the company, you need to be able to hold your liquor and not have a sip of beer and then lose your mind. You know, you don't want the bartender to cut you off. You're an embarrassment, and you're an idiot if that happens. Self-control. Do what you can. And enjoy that drink with your significant other, your husband, your wife, or your fiancé, whatever. Even your buddy, your roommate. And just say, hey, let's go get a beer. Let's have another glass of sangria. Let's get a Long Island, or maybe two. And then, of course, when you add food to it, well, then everybody can bond over food. That's great. It's mealtime. It's feeding time. And I always call it feeding time because <laughs> I think that's a funny, funny way to say it. I don't sit down with a fork and a knife and put on a bow tie and cut my food and be all proper. I don't care. Don't care. Unless, of course, I'm in a fancy restaurant. 
I bond with people by laughing, enjoying the food. I mean, I more or less keep the food to myself. I don't really share it. I'm like, hey, if you got your plate and I got mine, eat what's on your plate. Don't be picking at mine. But we can bond together over the fact that we're eating together. We're satisfying that hunger, and it's great. And then you can have a little drink with it, then everybody's happy. Loosens everybody up. You're satisfied. You're full. You're content. It's great. Bonfire recommends you follow this study, but do it wisely. A drink here and there, and share it with somebody. Maybe that's just what you need to be able to just kind of bond with somebody a little bit and say, hey, I like this guy. I like this girl. We get along really well. That's not the alcohol talking. It's talking if you're wasted. That's what it does. Gives you those beer goggles. You got to watch out for that stuff. So, ladies and gentlemen, that is the end of this week's podcast. Thank you for tuning in. And we had a new contributor this past week join bonfirethoughts.com. Chris Johnson, I appreciate the article he wrote because he says, here's what I did on my little road trip vacation in California. And I read that, saw his pictures, and thought to myself, wow, that sounds incredible. I think I want to do that myself now. So rest assured, I am trying to put on the books right now a vacation where I can take a road trip in California on the PCH, the Pacific Coast Highway, CPH, Coastal Pacific Highway. I don't know, whatever the hell it is. Uh, Highway 1, I'm told. I'd like to check it out. Beautiful scenery, get in the car and drive. I love driving, and it's California. Why not? So you just might start seeing some video and pictures if that vacation becomes a reality. But that is because a new contributor to the website decided to write such an article and share it with the world. That is what I like. That is what I support. Bonfire is all about, hey, you got something to say, send it our way. (laughs) That rhymed. Hey, you got something to say, send it our way. I should make that into a jingle, a rap. No, I hate rap. I should make it into a, a country or a <laughs> disco. I don't know why disco just popped into my head. Or a EDM, electronic dance music. Get all house music and loud and hit the bass. And <laughs> You got something to say? Send it our way. That's funny. I am delirious. I am exhausted. So I'm going to go home, call it a day. I'm going to detox from my digital. That's the way to do it. Please find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. But don't do it if you're trying to detox. I just said that. If you do that, you are not listening to me. But if you still are, great. Andrew Herzog out. This is The Bonfire on the Blaze Radio Network.